After my cancer diagnosis at the age of 32, my mom and I talked a lot about the shock of that diagnosis. Given several doctors told us you're too young to have endometrial cancer. After much discussion, we began to feel driven to inform and help educate other young women about what symptoms they should be concerned. Having both been teachers, it seemed natural for us to look for a way to share Alex's cancer journey in order to help other young women avoid such a shocking diagnosis or possibly navigate a similar path. A podcast seemed the best way to get the word out and that's how Down There Aware was born. Four years later, our mother-daughter duo has gone from educating and informing to advocacy and action with a fresh and sometimes very interesting and somewhat humorous multi-generational perspective. We look forward to sharing with you season four as we advocate, take action, and make it a priority to always be Down There Aware. To another episode of Down There Aware. We're excited that you're here with us in the middle of April for our little April chat. Little April chat. The last couple weeks have been a little research dense, statistics, things yeah, like that. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Um, important, but yeah, very, um, but heavy. So we thought we would just do a little, little chatty, chatty episode today. Yeah, I was watching my favorite show. What is it? The, the Today, Today Show. Show. We need to tag them. <laughs> um, and I saw a woman who was a very well-known Peloton instructor talking about how she felt a lump um, in her breast. She went to her doctor. The doctor said, it's nothing to worry about. Wait 28 days through a cycle, and it's, you know, probably nothing. She, in her gut was not comfortable with that, so she went to another doctor, um, her ob I believe, and the doctor, that doctor even said, I'm not real sure this is anything, but I'm going to do a mammogram and an ultrasound. Sounds familiar. Yes. She did both, and the woman had breast cancer. Mm. Um, so she, and she's relatively young too, right? So again, doctors thinking you're not this demographic, you maybe have been tested for BRCA and don't have it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, and all of that we've, we've heard before, but as as she was talking, she talked about how, um, she has to go in for follow-up scans and you're familiar with that. And, Mm -hmm. um, and she mentioned the phrase health anxiety, and it kind of stuck with me, and that's why I mentioned it to you, um, and that's what we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. just what is health anxiety um, and you know how we feel about it in relation to what you've been through. Yeah. Well, and a lot of folks on the Peach page, if you're familiar, the Facebook group that I joined the day I got um, the notification that I had cancer. Um, a lot of women on that page call it scan scanxiety. Um, I think that's real specific. It is. It's very specific. Um, and uh, you know, we talk a lot about when we have to have our cat scans or if we're having an MRI or whatever it might be. Um, and particularly the women who are in, uh, for uterine cancer specifically, 
they're in a cycle of um, fertility sparing treatment. And so they have to go frequently for biopsies and Mm. blood work and other things because they have active cancer that they're trying to or active precancer that they're trying to stave off so that they can Mm. get pregnant and have a child before losing their uterus. Um, And that's a whole other thing. But to, um, you know, have that constant anxiety of what am I going to see now? What am I going to hear now? What is it? And, you know, I've experienced that in my most recent CT scan a year ago, I think. Um, I lit up. And those are the words they use. That's the word they use. You lit up. So I lit up in two places. I lit up in my abdomen and I lit up in my thyroid. Um, And so I had to, actually, this may not have been my most recent one, but anyway, one of my CT scans. And so um, I had to have um, uh, further testing. I had to have a thyroid, um, what is it, ultrasound. I had to go through all this blood work, all this stuff. And um, they ordered me a PET scan. And I had never had a PET scan before. It was, um, they didn't deem it necessary when I was going through my cancer experience. And so... This was very, um, it was a weird experience to um, go through something as serious as a PET scan. It was like, what are they going to find? Especially when you feel like your cancer's gone. Right. And, you know, because when, okay, so if it lit up in, you know, what used to be my cervix or in my vagina or my ovaries or down there, if it lit up down there, okay, okay, it's, it's expected, kind right like if anything were going to happen that's where it would be but no it was my abdomen and my colon and it was my thyroid and, it w- and I was like mm-hmm. it, it's a new place like so then that got you know into the thinking about and I think the thing with anxiety is I've heard it described as um you're constantly living in the future mm. you're constantly living in the potential future of what if and in the negative potential future of oh this is gonna happen or though this could happen um and so when you are waiting for your scan results um i think that's the worst part you've had the scan you've gone through it and then you're just waiting until your next appointment when they can tell you and read the results well and i i hate for it to be negative i don't think it has to be um i was surprised and a bit disappointed when i first heard health anxiety I googled it and um the first thing that came up was hypochondria Mm. and I was kind of angry about that rightfully so because um I think there is a bit of anxiety I wish we could call it something different trepidation or um anticipation or But you keep wanting to say anxiety. I know. (laughs) I just, um, I think anxiety carries a negative connotation. Yeah, it definitely does. And so to be concerned, and you and I kind of go back and forth about this where you're concerned, Um, to be concerned enough to be on top of the situation, I don't see as a negative. Mm. I don't see it as anxiety. Mm-hmm. I see it as being smart. And and you also don't see it as, because I think sometimes anxiety and worry yeah. can be interchangeable. And so while you're seeing that as prepared, 
some people might see that as you're just worrying about that. You're worrying yeah. about that. And, you know, like you said, either last episode or the episode before that, you just want your file, f- their file folder to be as full as yours is with all of the information. So you just want to know that, you know, everything is what it needs to be right for a diagnosis or for treatment plans or anything like that. And I think to be prepared, you do your homework, you apply to you what is applicable you communicate with the medical community. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are all good things. Uh, I'm not a worrier. I don't worry. Um, I think that's probably a unique trait. I, I think most people aren't as, and we've talked about this before, and so mom's not going to take offense to what I'm going to say, <laughs> but you're a lot older than I am. And you've well, that's the reality. Why would I be offended at that? Because some people take offense at talking about age. Uh, I know you don't, but I have to clarify for the audience okay. that it's okay for me to say that. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. Um, because you had me when you were 33, so you're 33 years older than I am. <laughs> like, it just make, that's how time works, right? It just makes sense. Um, but you've lived a lot. My point in saying that is you've lived a lot more life than I have. You've lived through different experiences than I have. And while I feel like I can learn a percentage of what you have experienced from your experience in how you're teaching and talking to me about things, sometimes you just have to go through it yourself. And I hear that. And so I think that, um, you know, and not that it's only age, because I think older people can be worrisome too, just as younger people can be at peace too. Um, but yeah, I think it just some people might tend to lean one way more yeah. than the other. Um, yeah, I try not to worry, but I I'm a, I don't know like a what ifer. <laughs> I <laughs> I am always running through in my head about situations. What if this happens? What if that happens? How am I going to respond if A happens or if B happens? What will my life look like if? You know, and I think that is some of my frustration with how I was diagnosed Mm. um, or how I received my diagnosis is that I had no preparation for what if this is cancer. Mm. Yeah, because because it was not a possibility. Everybody told you it's not cancer, not cancer. Right. Oh, it's not. not, It's not. It's not going to be going to be that. And so I think a little bit of health anxiety, like you said, can be positive because you can start to prepare. You can start to formulate the questions you're going to ask, you know, should you receive that diagnosis? Well, and I do think it's a matter of semantics. Um, I think just because you're preparing and you go over things in your head doesn't mean it's worry. No. You know, I think if it kind of eats away at you and you get headaches or stomach aches or you um, or if you're can't losing sleep, sleep yeah. or can't eat, I, yeah. I, I think then I would categorize it as worry. But um, I think the preparation, the discussing it, um, a lot of people don't want to talk about mm. things because they – That's not me at all. <laughs> it's not me either. <laughs> Here we are just chatting just chatting up. away. <laughs> um, they don't want to talk about things. Because they don't want to appear, they don't want to appear that they're worrying, yeah, or that they're weak, or that. Well, and I've also heard people don't want to talk about things. I don't relate to this, but they don't want to talk about things because then it makes it real. Mm. And like I get that, but I describe myself as a realist with a health healthy dose of pessimism. I am not a glass half full kind of person. I I really try to look at life as 
that happened move on mm-hmm. you know um and uh for whatever reason but that is who I am um and so I think I look at things like that so if I talk about it whatever yeah. but someone who is hoping for a better result or doesn't want to jinx the situation or doesn't want to you know um I think that can lead to further anxiety once you do have the diagnosis because you haven't prepared anybody or yourself right and I I like to prepare for the worst yeah um and then you're what do you call that I call it hugging hugging the mountain, the mountain. <laughs> I, that's what I was getting at yeah um learn that from my dad you don't see how how close you can get to the edge without falling off you hug the mountain and for the child who grew up in central Florida that did not make a lot of sense <laughs> until I drove on my first mountain road. And then I was like, oh, I got it. I not only drove I understand on your now. first mountain road, we had to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't my first mountain road. But, yeah, oh, that was scary. Um, but we digress. Yeah, I think um, it, you know, there's, with everything in life, you have to strike a balance. Yeah. I think um, just like uh, similarly thrill seekers, they have a certain um, – you know, kind of fear of what they're doing, but a confidence about it too. It's this they call balance. It a healthy fear. Right. It's it's that balance, I think, of you have to be afraid of what you're gonna do because jumping off a building with mm. a parachute, that's terrifying. But also have to conquer some of that fear in order to to take that leap. And I think it's similar with health anxiety. You can be anxious about your diagnosis. You can be anxious about your scan, your follow up, whatever. But you also have to have confidence in you're going to be able to handle whatever comes at you. Right. That it doesn't just take over. When you go into surgery, you have to sign a lot of paperwork. And they ask you always, do you have a health care surrogate? Do you have a living will? You know. Um, And even after side note, all of the surgeries I've been through, my answer is still no (laughs) to all of those things. Well, yeah, you probably need to get probably on need that. to get on it. My That's last a whole surgery, other episode. I made sure I had those things um, because I hadn't done it before then. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, you know, that's kind of crazy. It's it's hugging the mountain, to, and nothing happened that I everything need, was needed fine. Any of that, but it was there if needed. I also <laughs> that was the time Alex couldn't go, and yeah. my husband couldn't go because he was at a funeral of a family member and. Um, so my neighbor, bless her heart, she came and sat in the waiting room and I gave her this file folder of stuff and on it were like 20 phone numbers of people she Mm -hmm. might need to contact. Um, and I ran across that the other day and I thought, oh, poor Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of overdid that, but that was me hugging the mountain. Yeah. And, you know, it's the same way I feel about when I was teaching and I um, took my kids to a performance assessment at another school and I had a hundred sixth grade girls performing in this concert and I had an emergency form for all of them, parent information. It was in a nice binder, alphabet. Great. And I thought I'm never going to need this, but I'm going to have it just in case. Sure enough, (laughs) as we're getting on the stage, a girl fell and hit her head and I had to have somebody I gave them the book and I said here's her name Mm. and they took her to the hospital and they handled it but it was fine because I was prepared and you know I was um had a little bit of anxiety of okay I'm taking all of these sixth grade hundred girls on this trip and 
I have to be prepared. I'm a little anxious about it. But again, if you have that preparation um, and you know what you're going to do if something happens. Um, and so that's like when I get a scan, if I know, okay, what is my plan? Should it come back negative? What am I going to do next? Should what is my positive? Yes. <laughs> negative. You know what I mean. See, that's confusing. <laughs> Positive and negative, negative is good in this in this <laughs> sense, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if it like say a scan comes back and it lights up and they do a biopsy or whatever and it is cancer again, well, what are my options? What uh, you know, I still have ovaries. You can take those out. Like there are still options. I haven't had chemo or radiation therapy yet. Those are options. Like there is always something, you know, until you're terminal, which is a whole other discussion. But um, I keep looking down because Sadie is down there and she just laid she's on, just resting she just in laid the on my foot. the <laughs> afternoon sun. And now she's her just tail chilling. is just a wagon because oh. she heard me say her name. <laughs> and now my watch is going on. This this episode is taking a turn. It's derailed. It's a crazy. Lots of anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do. I really do believe a healthy um, attitude about what is happening um, enough that it causes you to prepare and um, just be ready for whatever is ahead, the different scenarios, is a good thing. I'm, and I hate that the first thing up on Google was um, hypochondria because I don't believe that's what it is. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, I think people get a bad rap for when you want to be prepared for something mm -hmm. and – you know, I have, um, we've talked about this before. I have felt that I have s had so much wrong with me that people might think I'm a hypochondriac yeah. just because I, you know, do have X, Y, and Z and I do have to have certain accommodations and all these certain things. But, um, it, it's just a f matter of fact, and you can't be afraid that someone's going to think you're faking it or whatever. Well, and I have felt, in my role, the same way um, when we've gone in, especially when you were younger, not an adult, that um, the medical personnel might think I have Munchausen. <laughs> yeah. Because this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this yep. is wrong. Um, and I've had enough medical personnel say positive things to me. One time in particular, I remember... Um, we were at Shans and we were getting a test on your optic nerve mm -hmm. because of your um, pseudotumor diagnosis. And um, there, the PA there was taking your history and was writing things down. And um, she asked about something, and I said, Yes, that she has hydrogenitis superativa. And she looked at me and said, You go, mom. <laughs> And I thought, well, somebody appreciates that yeah. I remember. Um, but there are times when, you know, you feel they look at you like, really? She's got that much wrong with her? Um, that you feel kind of like, honestly, just look at her file. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, when um, I'm fortunate that I, when I moved from Orlando, I in Orlando I had a long-term primary care physician and then when I moved here, I established a relationship, and I have been um, with that doctor for over a decade since I've been here in Tallahassee. And so 
he not only has my, you know, adolescent history of medical issues, but he has walked through Mm -hmm. everything with me. Um, And so he's seen, no, this is actually, you know, happening in her life and, um, and it's all believable. And, um, and And he's he's my doctor and he's your doctor too. And so he, you know, he always asks about mom when I have my checkups and stuff. And he asked me questions in my like annual exam. He's like, so that surgery is the only surgery you had (laughs) this. And he's also, you know, because you've established a relationship with them, like when I um, was in Texas and I had a horrific experience with my back injury Mm. and, um, and they wouldn't prescribe me medication and I couldn't, I needed to get home and I was in so much pain, crippling pain. And I called him and he tried every, he even called the emergency room doctor to see if he could like transfer or order it and he would fill it or whatever. Um, but Texas has a law that they don't do that. But he went to bat for me. Oh, he went way above and way beyond. above and beyond. And even to the point of, I mean, I needed at that time a narcotic painkiller, yep. which is obviously regulated and um, heavily monitored. But he knew me and he yeah. knew that if I was calling him yeah. and and I just said, I need something, I need two days worth to get me home and then I will see a doctor. But I have to, I'm thousands of miles away. Um, he didn't question. He did not question yeah. me. And so I think having that open, honest relationship with your doctor um, can help ease some of the anxiety of things. I think there's always going to be a level of anxiety there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it you can't, I don't know, you can't avoid it. You just kind of have to trust it and be pre- be as prepared as you can mm-hmm. be. Well, and we also have the same cardiologist. And um, one of the last times I was in to see him, I had a little issue going on. And he walked in the door, but you had just had surgery. Mm-hmm. And he walked in the door and he said, I'm, I'm going to talk about what's going on with you. But before that, how's Alex? <laughs> And that's kind of a neat thing to have developed those relationships with your doctor. Yeah. So they know you, they trust you, they care about mm-hmm. you. Um, there's nothing like it. No, there really isn't. And, and it eases the anxiety. It, it does. And I think something else, and you know, we touched on this, that eases the anxiety is just information. Yeah. And with the internet, information is so readily available. And I know the internet can be a scary place because there are people that are just putting stuff up there that's wrong and incorrect but if you look at reputable sources if you look at trusted you know information um then it can really help something that helped me uh the night I got my diagnosis I was out of town I was alone in a hotel room I was not gonna sleep that night and so I ordered my comfort food (laughs) I had some sushi um and I got on the internet and I looked up YouTube videos of people's personal experiences with this kind of cancer. I read articles about things. Now I had to kind of temper it because there was some doomsday stuff in Mm -hmm. there, but, um, looking at, uh, uh, what are they? Survival statistics, looking at, you know, when found early, how, what kinds of treatments I felt very educated and very prepared to have that conversation with the doctor. Um, and that group I joined, they have an information page, questions you should ask on your first visit. It's at the very top of the, the wow. group when you join. And that's just experiential, right? All of these women mm-hmm. who have gone through this, these are the questions you really need to ask. Um, 
and it ke- it's a living document. People keep adding to it. So that is something just keeping yourself informed. And if there's the potential to, you know, my anxiety spiked of you have cancer sky high. Mm-hmm. What is going to happen? You know, it ranged from you're going to lose your fertility to you could die. Mm-hmm. That's a huge range of, yeah. <laughs> of outcome there. Um, and so kind of narrowing the gap there of what my options were and what I could do, um, you know, being able to bring that into my first appointment really helped things go smoothly. Yeah. So I think um, the point is a healthy um, perspective about what's happening, mm-hmm. preparing yourself, developing relationships long before any issue presents itself. If you already have that relationship, then it's so much easier going into a crisis. And, you know, we've experienced many of those. um, But if you already have those relationships built and nurtured, health guy or health anxiety um, isn't, doesn't become a negative thing and isn't looked at as Munchausen's or hypochondria or anything, but more just um, we can get rid of the word anxiety maybe. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, being um, building those relationships, it's a reminder to have a regular gynecologist, have your annual pap smear, get a mammogram, have a, a primary care physician who you see for an annual physical build these, you know, you don't need all the specialists we need until you need them, but these baseline, your regular doctors um, are really important to build those relationships so that they can um, not only be there and support you, but that they can go to bat for you if need be, you know, during that, a trying time, should that come up? Yeah, I, I'm a big cheerleader of family, um, family physicians, mm-hmm. because every time I go, which is usually once a year unless I have something an issue. happens yeah um, they say when was your mammogram when was your last colonoscopy um, are you up to date on your shingles and flu vaccine pneumonia vaccine I mean they have your chart in front of them right and so they are kind of the overseer of your health care mm-hmm. and then they send you on to the people who do the things for you but um they are the ones who keep you on track. Yeah, and it's very helpful. I mean, I just got my tetanus booster, and yeah. that, that's only every 10 years. Yeah. So that uh, who's going to remember when they got their tetanus booster? Exactly. Unless you, like, stepped on a rusty nail or something, you yeah. know? Yeah. So um, good chat. Yeah. I like these little chatty episodes. <laughs> they um, It gives a nice little break from the, the heaviness the numbers. and the density of numbers and statistics. But uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Down There Aware. Be sure to like and subscribe on our new YouTube channel, as well as on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us at Down There Aware on all social media sites, Twitter, Pinterest, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. If you have it, we're there at Down There Aware. You can learn more on our website, www.downthereaware.com, and always get in touch with us, downthereaware at gmail.com. See you next week.